Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. I've my love for Nova Crow knows no bounds, as I've talked about previously on, on, on other shows and their journey through Metal to the Masses and then now playing Bloodstock is really, uh, it's just a great thing to see. I had uh, Kitty on, on the show from Nova Crow before. I've had uh, Stuart, who's obviously um, Deppin as the as a drummer on the show as well. So it made sense to have um, Freddie on the show. Um, Frederico, Freddie Spiro, Freddie, as everybody knows him, is one of those wonderful individuals getting it done on the scene uh, locally and beyond. He just does an incredible amount for uh, the whole metal scene, both what he does within Novacrow, and that's a huge amount, by the way, producing and writing and developing all their kind of social media stuff. He has a big part of that, but then also working with other bands and doing sound and all kinds of amazing stuff. Freddie is is just one of those people getting it done. It's hugely uh, impressive. I never, whenever I think I'm not working hard enough, um, Freddie's there to remind me that he, that he there's always something else you can be doing. There's always more you can be doing. He's endlessly busy doing, uh, and endlessly involved in, in the scene. And I think that what you'll get from this show, hopefully, is that they're in a band right at the cusp of being to whatever next level is. I always kind of don't really like enjoy the, the title next level or raising the bar, that type of thing. But they are very much on the cusp of the next wave of what iteration Nova Crow will be. Their new album is available to pre-order now and there's some fantastic some fantastic sort of options with that they always do really cool shit with whatever they're doing like in terms of t-shirts and, and how they produce the and how they look after their fans they're really you know they really believe in in what they're doing and it really comes across and aside from that it's just a really great band and then they they've won metal to the masses as i've said and they'll move on to to bloodstock equally just as as important you know to to someone's career as anything that you could do in the metal metal world playing bloodstock is absolutely imperative i think they're going to be an absolute revelation there they, they for me they feel like a like an evil scarecrow type of situation before long we're going to see them mid afternoon on, on one of the biggest stages i i i, I dare say that's going to happen and so they on on the back of that and their new album everything seems to be coming into into alignment for for nova crow but that's not that's the only reason that is is because of the hard work each one of those members of the bands does particularly freddie you know we'll talk about that we'll talk about how hard it is to to manage social media and how hard it is to be a a modern band that has to negotiate the pitfalls of posting and and creating content and all that other stuff that, that you know that is sometimes frowned upon you know let's be honest it's frowned upon a little bit that it's like well bands should be concentrating on writing music and playing shows but sadly we know now that the, the large portion of what you do is social media based and and he's really candid you know freddie's really can he's really funny um and it, it, it gives a really honest perspective of that and i think a, a lot of bands wondering what the next stage in their development is would do well to listen to the show and see the moves that nova crow have done they're they're 100 independent and we talk about that we talk about what's the next step and how do you start to bring people into you, to your brand, if you will, and your kind of organisation, if you will. So I found it really interesting. It was just, you know what, shit, it was just great to talk to a friend who I talk to all the time and we just never got to go on the show. I've only got to get um, John on the show now from Nova Crow and I've completed my Nova Crow set um, and, and that's going to be that's going to be fantastic. Moreover, because John has the, the best voice in the world, so it'd be great to get him on the show. I just want to say as well that, I've been teasing this new thing that's coming up and I will continue to tease this thing because we're very close to announcement time for this project that I'm super excited for. That's really something I've been building to. Anybody that's been listening to the show will know kind of what's going on 
with it as well and, and kind of see that. Also, I want to shout out um, to Darker. This is a record store based in in Wallasey that's recently opened to. I talked about going to see the uh, Eleran Cranthor uh, exhibition there and was blown away by that. And they're doing some fantastic stuff and they've got a launch on the on the 6th of um, some fabulous uh, book uh, launch that they're doing uh, and things like that and, and war vests and stuff and I'll, I've been posting details about that on, on the social media anyway but I would suggest checking that out that's Dark Earth Records I think the stuff that they're doing there is really important as well there's some really nice things springing up and going on within the metal community now and it really, really feels as though we're at a at a nice move and change in point and turn and point in what's going on and this project that I'm going to be announcing very soon that I'm involved with is something extremely close to my heart that I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you Freddie's part of that, interestingly enough, Freddie's part of that project uh, as well, because it's all about bringing in the best people. And Freddie is one of those best people, just one of those defenders of the faith, a great musician and a wonderful human being. So please enjoy my conversation with Freddie from Novogratz. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, this is a this is a real. They're all real treats. I always say this at the beginning of the show that this is a real treat, but. Sometimes you get it where you get to speak to someone who's really important to the scene, doing something great musically, but also someone who's a friend, you know, someone who we, we, we work with each other at the shows and we do things as well. And, and, and it's all in one beautiful package. That package, ladies and gentlemen, is Frederico Spira. Or oh, shit. Freddie to me. Yeah. Welcome to the show, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I wonder if you, your constant use of the term real treat kind of like lessens the value of real treat. Is someone like a super real treat or is it they're all Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. And, and if I maybe oversold you, so some people go, oh, it's only fucking Frederick. Ah, it's only a normal treat. Very little is real <laughs> it's about him. A very basic treat, like a dog treat level. Not. <laughs> you know what? Like not even, I will take not that. Nice. <laughs> I will. I will. I will gladly be a dog treat. I, I, I meant every word. It's um, it's nice, Freddie. We, we, we've been trying to sit down for a while, haven't we, to try and have a have a conversation because we always yeah. see each other the show. We always talk at the shows, and um, I've already and had Kitty on, so we've, we've yeah. Already, it's kind of hard to sort of... it's kind of hard to have a proper conversation when thirty year olds are gurgling into a mic. <laughs> yeah. That's all. It is. Normally, the conversations go. So, Freddie, what are you been on? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, exactly. Freddie, what are you been on? Ah, ah <laughs> shit. I'll, I'll speak to you later. Yeah. <laughs> And then you got to get home, or then I'm too drunk at that point, or both, and then nothing happens. <laughs> so it's nice, it's nice, ladies and gentlemen, to, to sit down with the the Freddy one. Um, well, well, there's so much to go through, mate. I, you know, oh, we're, we're most certainly going to have to get to through to the new album. I'm fucking so excited for this new album. I cannot tell you. I have to contain that because we'll talk about it in a bit, but. Uh, yeah. I, I'm so excited to hear the Nova Cruz album. For those that don't know, and maybe some listeners who, who aren't aware, uh, uh, Freddie, I've done an intro, obviously, but um, currently uh, Freddie is the, the basis for Nova Crow, and we'll mm -hmm. get into that because that's where we, we kind of first first sort of met each other and, and, and started our little journey there. But what I normally like to do yeah. is to start at the beginning, Freddie, for <laughs> so the very beginning for you of when you first hear metal or even music and the first sort of bands that, you get into what's that like for you as a you know most angry 14 year old kids growing up in 2009 eight whenever that was um yeah i just started getting into bands like slipknot corn mudvayne the usual 
Uh, I'd been playing music kind of just like, not really that much, but I used to play double bass in, when I was a kid in the school orchestra. Um, I used to play piano for like a year when I was like seven, like we all do, did at some point, and I absolutely hated it. And then when I moved to the Netherlands, I just, I don't, on a whim, I just decided to take music class. And the my teacher was like, well, you have to play an instrument. And I'm like, well, I kind of play double bass, but I'm not going to bring that fucking thing to school every week. It's massive. <laughs> it's twice the size of me. And he's like, well, try the bass guitar then. And I was like, okay. And then I just loved it. So then I was like, oh, this means I can learn all the songs that I like, like Korn and the Slipknot and the Metallica and all those <laughs> fun things. And it just became an addiction. It also helped that I had very little friends and I wasn't getting laid. So I just spent all my time just <laughs> playing and listening playing. to metal. <laughs> Very similar to now, now that I think about it. But, you know. <laughs> but it's like, was it, was it bands as well that you got into? But it was, was there... Was the people that you followed as well was like particular basis that you like, okay, I think yeah, that's I mean, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it was all the biggest, you know, the the big names. You know, I loved Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, they've always been a huge influence of mine. Um, yeah, because I started list, like really getting into music at the same time as really getting into bass, I started following kind of the two in tangents. So like, I loved Corn, and so I loved everything that Fieldy did. Um, nowadays, you know, that's, I still love corn. I still like what Fieldy did in corn. I wouldn't want to, you know, emulate that any further. Um, but then, yeah, I loved like Ryan Martini from Mudvayne. He's still one of my favorite ones. And then through discovering better bassists, I discovered, you know, heavier music like Sean Malone from Cynic, for example. He was a fantastic bass player, one of my you know, biggest heroes. Uh, Jeroen Paul Thessalig of Obscura. Just really, I got into really proggy, territory as time went on yeah because you wanted to kind of get even better at the instrument so you go to people that are, are, are crazy good players you know that, that's not really how yeah. it works isn't it you know did you start off then is it like i don't i can play the bass but i would I'd no way consider myself a bassist in any way shape or form but but did you so you're learning the bass and you're listening to, to these people is metal friendly for bassists is it a friendly sort of genre because if you're a, if you're a funk yeah. bassist that that genre loves you you know that genre ah, loves right, you mean. Does, does metal love the bassist um i think with like there's oh boy yes and no uh i mean like if you listen to the, some of the bands like on top of my head uh pantera yeah, like yeah. everyone growing up in Growing up loving metal, will love Pantera at some point or another. And Rex Brown doesn't really get recognized too much because you don't doesn't hear a lot of what he does. But what he does is so tasteful and beautiful, and such a fundamental part of like why the songs yeah. groove and like why Dimebag Sorrel, so, Dimebag's solos soar. Yeah. Um, that it does really tie it all together. Um, in terms of whether it's friendly, like it kind of depends what you get into music for. I never, I mean, this. You, you will have seen what I'm like on stage, so this kind of seems like such a bullshit answer, but I never got into music because I wanted the attention. I never really gave a shit yeah. about that. It was just about servicing the music, and for me, the bass, no matter what genre you're playing at, in the bass is like almost... It, it's the one that sort of encompasses the music a lot more than more so than other instruments in some senses. I kind of get a stronger feeling for the actual song by playing bass than I do playing guitar, for example. Hmm. It so, seems like when, when, especially the bassist that I love in metal, you know, 
uh, the, the ones you've mentioned there, Ryan and stuff from Mudvayne, criminally underrated in some ways. But I think that like any good musician or any pocket of, of, a, of a member of an ensemble of a band, when it's not there, you really notice it. And yeah. obviously, you know, in order for Dimebag to soar and someone like Randy Rose to soar, there's a Rex or there's a Bob Daisy or so. There's someone there to support a drummer's bassist included. If they're not there, that guy can't go and run to the top of the mountain because, yeah. you know, they're not kind of creating that thing. And it's a shame, like, because we metal's littered with great bassists. But if you say to someone, maybe outside of the genre a little bit, they're only going to mention like a handful of people, but it's there's, like, there's such an important and integral part to, yeah, to, I mean, to, to let the guitarist be, be the front person of it. You know what I mean? Be the yeah, kind of the, the that's kind of a, that's kind of a thing that happens just all throughout music in general. Like bass tends to be a musician's instrument. You yeah. go to a person who doesn't play music and tell them you play bass. They just go, eh, whatever. Like, can you yeah. name three bassists quick? They go, ah, no, that's it. But every other musician will like respect and know, you know, basis like a good basis is such a fundamental part of the band, as with any other band members. So it kind of depends. Is it a bassist friendly genre? If you're not a musician, fuck no. <laughs> you will absolutely never get laid playing bass. Um, and if that's what you're after, you know, the attention, then learn to be a sick backing vocalist. Otherwise, you're just going to be <laughs> in the corner like some chump. But, but, but isn't there there's also a wonderful connection? I, if I'm wrong, tell me that there's a connection between bassists in bands and those bassists that write the songs as well. You know, you look at someone like Steve Harris mm -hmm. from Maiden, that's a famous bassist, but he writes a large amount of the songs, you know, and it, there's an interesting thing there, isn't there? You know, the, although yeah. they're not necessarily there. But if, if people are saying, name a member of Iron Maiden, they're not picking Steve Harris till about two or three down. You'll you know find I mean? that so a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of bassists that will be multi-instrumentalists, arguably more so than other genres. Um, and, uh, sorry, than, than other musicians, you know, than uh, people who just play guitar, just play drums. You'll find a lot more people. Um, a lot of high caliber bassists will also play other instruments really, really well. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's a similar thing where like bass is just, we kind of, if you're into music and you know, you're, you're a solid musician, there is a certain, certain gravitation towards bass as like, ah, I can kind of feel and play the whole music instead of just... <laughs> Yeah, you know, chords, which sounds counterintuitive, especially if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, and if you're not really a musician, you'd be like, "But doesn't bass just go boom, 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 boom?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, well, that boom, boom, boom is the music," you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's and it's like the, it's the other strange thing as well is that the the connection with the bassist and the drummer is not like mm -hmm. the connection with the guitarist and the drummer. It is it is a different world. It is a different sort of syncopation. It's a different vibe, and uh, you know you can lock guitar and drums can lock you know that sure they can that's that's great but the but that link with a, a bassist and a drummer is absolutely you know that that there isn't a good band that doesn't have that link right yeah it's like yeah i mean it's because they, they focus so much on rhythm which is often such an underlooked part in melodic instruments like playing uh, keys or piano i teach a lot of um, guitar, guitar these days um and one of the things I always try to hammer on is the rhythm aspect of it that gets neglected by a lot of guitar teachers. Um, and so guitars will have, I don't want to say that they'll have worse sense of rhythm, but it won't be as, in, as ingrained a thing as it will be for bassists yeah. and drummers. So yeah, bass and drummers can lock into that, but that's why you hear loads about like great rhythm guitarists. Like everyone always raves about James Heffield being such a great rhythm guitarist because yeah, that's what he does is like he, he focuses so much on the rhythm and then kind of um 
yeah, he's not a guy who will neglect that the side of it. So people will notice these things. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure he locks in with Lars really well. Yeah, it's like, like it's it's a Dimebag mm. talked about it a lot about because his brother Vinny's a drummer. Mm. Obviously, yeah. when they're growing up, Vinny's constantly pulling him back and saying that's not the time and that's the head of the beat that's behind yeah. the beat. It's constant. I mean, they talk about like him playing. More, one of the first songs he learns is more than a feeling. And he's mm-hmm. playing it. He thinks, "Why though? How it goes? This is the melody." And Vinny's like, "No, no, no! That's not. That's ahead of the beat. That's it's one note over. It's, it, you, you're going to be constantly going over, and it's going to sound wrong yeah. as you do it. And it, that's why you know you, we we all we remember these great guitar players for their lead playing is rightly we should. But the criminally underlooked side is how good they are rhythms. You only have yeah. to look at sort of the best players in the world. Someone like Eddie Van Halen. People talk about all of this wild electric stuff that he was doing." But his rhythm was fucking rock solid. Probably no, oh, absolutely. no sort of surprise that his brother is a, is a drummer as well. It's like, it's probably yeah. no surprise, you know? Even some say like his tapping, like is just so rhythmically on point. It's like yeah. every, every little 16th note is accounted for. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's like, and, it's, and, it, and it makes a difference. It doesn't yeah. get like, it doesn't get what maybe the respect it deserves. Because I suppose, I think ultimately, Freddie, what it is, is that it's it's easy to, to do something flash. That's an immediate gratification mm-hmm. to go, look at this exploding, look at this bending note. That's yeah. extravagance and all the rest of it. But really, you can't get to that unless you sort your rhythm out. Like the old adage yeah. is, uh, if you're a great rhythm player, you'll never be out of work. And it's probably true. Yeah, definitely. Like it, it's the, the, the flashy things are what sort of attract us as first. But then if you start to love the music for the actual music, you'll mm-hmm. start looking at everything else. Um, I, you know, the, the sort of like the five pillars of music that I consider would be melody, harmony, rhythm, timbre, and dynamics. And those, if you study like those five aspects of any song, that's ultimately what makes the song. It's not just one. If you're a great guitar player and you can play sweet ass licks and sweep picking for days, great. Where's your rhythm? You know, can you play loud and soft? Softly? Can yeah, you play? Dynamic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can yeah. you play dynamically? Can all these things have an impact on your playing and if you're just going to focus on one of them then you know cool but keep in mind you're only going to be hired to do that one thing so yeah well as well i I 100 agree with that those those sorts of pillars are true and and if you look at those pillars when you're learning an instrument and you sit there and you work with it you go okay today i'm going to look at this and this week i'm going to focus on this if you put get your own spin on each one of those things you will have a unique voice you know think about some of the the players, I mean, I'm talking about guitar players because that's my sort of safe space. But like someone like Brian May, each mm-hmm. part of that like thing has got a different yeah. thing that makes him Brian May, and he's not just concentrated on lead playing. There's many, many, many sort of intricate mm-hmm. sort of parts of that that make him Brian May. Because otherwise, if you focus on just one of those things, um, all the other things are going to sound like everybody else. It's going to sound cutty cooker and uh, cutter and and have no real personality of yourself, yeah. and that's why. As we both know, you know, being a musician is a is a pursuit for life. As you pursue these pillars and pursue to get them to be a version of you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you're playing. Um, so you should listen to these records. You're learning the bass now. When do you make the move to go and, and play with other people? Uh, as soon as I started be, being able to talk, you know and not mumble jumble over my words which apparently is still a problem i have uh, and i realize i'm just looking straight into the camera by accident um as i'm saying that uh yeah like i've always wanted to do that at school when i was a kid but there weren't that many people to play with um it would mostly just be me like hiding in the music class in over our lunch breaks 
uh, <laughs> and then funnily enough, it was a guy who I played basketball with. Uh, this was in the Netherlands, so this was a Dutch guy. He was tall as fuck, still is. And then there's just little short Italian Freddy trying to keep up with these <laughs> tall Dutch guys. And there's one dude was like, hey, you play bass, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, my band needs a bassist. Do you want to come play? I'm like, fuck yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I even know the dude was in a band. And then he invited me over, and I was that was like my first band. It was called Tasered. <laughs> Which, yeah. Tasered. I love it. We were like, right. no, it's not all right. It, it, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. But I'm just thinking of the logos for the t-shirts. Oh man, yeah. Oh, we were our marketing team was on point. Marketing <laughs> what team. Did, what us. did he play? What did the tall dude play? He played was guitar. He, he played guitar. Okay. Mostly, yeah, mostly rhythm guitar. Right. Only enough. So uh, what was the band? Was it was it metal or was it heavy? Or was it yeah, yeah, it was metal. It was, you know, as heavy as like a bunch of 17-year-old kids could make it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was like we were like, like we were one of the only metal bands in Maastricht at the time. Um so every time there was like a, a music thing going on, we were always asked to play and we're like, oh fuck yeah. And obviously <laughs> as little 16-year-old Freddie uh, it was super exciting and super fun. And to be fair, I'm still friends with, with those guys. Like now we still, they'll just call me randomly as I'm in the middle of doing important shit and be like, dude, fuck off. Like, <laughs> stop. But we just hang out as much as we can. Um, do, so yeah, do, so you that's remember, do you remember playing live for the first time? That comes up a lot. Do you remember actually playing in front of an audience and presumably getting a round of applause? Do you remember that? Yeah, I did. <clears throat> in fact, the first show I did was with this, these two guys in my school. And we did. <laughs> oh boy, we were we were fifteen, I think. And there's a video of it on YouTube. Um, okay. And we did a cover of "Message in the Bottle" by Police. And again, we didn't have a singer, so I had to sing. Okay. Awfully. And then we did two original songs, one of which th didn't have a name, and the other one was called "Jizz Fest." <laughs> we thought Hi, we were hilarious. Turns <laughs> out we were fucking right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was like just a school performance. And then after that, my first show with this band was in a local like pub. Yeah. Um, and I very much remember it. Yes, it was, it was good. Good fun. <laughs> good fun time. You At this point, are you, um, are you going to see shows live yourself? Like you're 16. So I don't imagine there are too many local shows or I don't know what was the scene mm -hmm. like in, in the Netherlands. Was it, were you able to get into shows at, and bars and stuff like that to watch bands or not? yeah like big touring bands would come around and like i saw slipknot machine head and children bodem that was my first concert when i was 14 wow. in, yeah. in germany and then every other big like touring band that would come around like i don't know disturbed corn uh yeah corn uh who else did i see some other bands uh i would always be the one you know to get my parents to come drive to drive me to the show in <laughs> germany or in belgium or whatever uh as far as local shows hap um however it was yeah once i started joining the band there was a few like maybe once every two months or so there'd be like a a show in, in town um and i'd always try and go to go to those whenever i could try to make friends with people because i always i wanted to do more things i started getting into production as well so i started asking other band, local bands to produce them um, and just trying to get as much done as I could because I didn't really know what else to do with my time. So. Wow. Because you're, if you're like sort of 16 at this point and mm -hmm. you're seeking out doing sound stuff and, and, and running a desk and things like that, that's pretty, that's pretty advanced, right, Freddie? You know, you don't see that too often. You know, that's pretty driven. You know, that's pretty yeah. kind of focused, you know? 
Yeah, I just, uh, I've always been a very driven person, much to the dismay of uh, every other aspect of my life. Um, but, so how uh, far did it go with, with Taser? How, how, what level did you get to? How long did it last? We played, we played, I mean, it lasted until I left. After I left, it lasted a couple of years, um, but then they had problems finding stable bassists, and then they all kind of branched out and yeah. did their own thing. Um, but as far as, uh, but it got, you know, we were playing just like small local festivals. Um, the last show I did with the band was, uh, in this big festival that happens every year in Mastic. There's about, I don't know, eight, 9,000 people every year. And we got to play one of the, uh, one of the stages. Um, that was the last show I did with them. And that was a lot of fun. That was like my first big show. And I, and I just remember normally I'm always running around jumping like an asshole on stage Again, some things just never change. But that was the first time I was like, you know what? I kind of want to enjoy this. I want to I want to see what it's like to just look, look at a, a, a tent, yeah, yeah. a giant tent full of people. And it was like, this is cool. Yeah. I kind of wish I'd put a shirt on, but this is cool. <laughs> that was topless, <laughs> like a dingus. So you go from Taser to what's the next band you're in after that? Well, after that, I, went, I came here to okay. study uh, in Liverpool. So in uni, I was just constantly doing lo- loads of bits and bobs. Um, there weren't any metal bands at my uni and I was always trying to, you know, get around and meet other local metal musicians in Liverpool. But I got here at a very unfortunate time. It was 2012. So there really wasn't much happening. Oceanus was like the only metal band. I think Reaper had just like started. Um, and there were a few shows here and metal shows here and there around Liverpool, but not much really was happening. So. I, I didn't really what made know. you what made you come to Liverpool in particular? What was the what was the reason in there? Nah, just like <laughs> uh, I got accepted. Well, it was a weird thing. I got accepted in the end in three places. It was Leeds, London, and Liverpool. Okay. And I thought, fuck London. Did not want to move to London as an eighteen yeah. year old. I had and I'm from Rome initially, so I'm like, no big cities, no thank you. I've been to London, don't care for it. Yeah. Um and then it was between Leeds and Liverpool and Liverpool accepted me first. And then I was just like, yeah, seems good. I, I, I came here with no expectations whatsoever. I didn't, I didn't even know anything about the uh, Lippa at the time, the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't, I just did the audition. They accepted me and I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. What was, what was the audition? What did you have to do for the audition? It was two parts. One was submit some videos of me playing and I submitted a video of me playing Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson, uh, YYZ by Rush, YYZ, sorry. Yeah. And then a third song, I can't remember. I think it was Cynic. I think it was Textures by Cynic. Okay. And then, and then I had to fly over for the, for the second part of the audition and, again, just play two pieces. So I did an original, like, metal song. Um, and then I think I did Stone Cold Bush by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I think that was yeah, it. That's a deep pull. That's a deep pull, yeah. Yeah, I want you to. Like, I used to like when when I was when I was learning that we're in school and, and college and, and I, I was in those music classes myself. There was a, there was a, a couple of bassists there, and I always remember this one bassist who was like super metal guy, like super played a great player. And when it came to doing his exams, he played lots of pop stuff because mm-hmm. he was like, "This is way more 
you could do, you can hear the bass coming through. Like he, I remember, yeah. I can't remember. I think he did wherever I lay my my home or something. That's got nice. a really big bass on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's only when you say that now you mention these like kind of non-metal bass songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how you show off that. That's just interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like if, if I wanted to study music, like I I love music as a whole. Like mm. metal is just what I gravitate to the most. And when I'm writing, that's yeah. what I inevitably end up writing. Uh, it's what I listen to most of the time, but at the end of the day, I just love music in general. So, and I knew that to study more music, I needed to show that interest in music as a broad sort yeah. of spectrum. I couldn't just rock up and only do Hammer Smash Face by Cannibal Corpse uh, <laughs> exclusively. Like they'd be like, "Okay, your technical plane's fine, but what about everything else?" Where's so I did one. Feelings? Yeah, exactly. So when I did my edition, I did. Um, I played a song that wasn't the most technically challenging. It wasn't the most, you know, bass heavy, but it was a song I wrote and recorded yeah. to show them that I have an understanding of these, these kind of things. And then obviously part of the interview was like music theory and shit like that. So part of the audition, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, you, you go to Liverpool, you know, like you say, it's 2012. It's kind of, it's not the, the mm. best scene, let's say, you know, it's not the For best metal, scene no. in the world at all. Um, are you kind of sitting in with a couple of bands or you, you, you just kind of playing on your own still? No, no. Cause I was, cause I was in uni studying music. Um, yeah. you know, it was basically the whole course was just three years of us fucking around doing whatever we wanted. <laughs> and these are like, you know, it sounds silly in hindsight, but fuck me. I wish I could go back so much. Cause these are all, everybody there was a fantastic musician. Yeah. Um, so it's essentially, you got to spend three years with, uh, you know, 60 other people who are, just as good or better than you, yeah. all of whom are equally, if not more ambitious than you. And, you know, we all moved there for us, moved here for a specific reason. So I was just playing as much as I could. I played in like pop soul band that I ended up being in for three years. I did, I would cover, um, I, I played for like this rapper for a while. I would dip in and out trying to create different bands with, with some people. Uh, just kind of do really whatever I could get my hands on yeah. up until... Uh, 2013, when I met Kitty and John and joined Nova Crow. Sure. So that kind of brings us where some people who, who may know know your work now. So, mm-hmm. so we come along to, to, to Kitty and John uh, and Nova Crow. That, how did that meeting take place? Were they, they, were they studying as well? or what was They were thing? studying, but they were studying. Well, Kitty was studying UNIOF. She was studying English. Uh, John wasn't studying when I met him. Um, and they already formed the band and they needed a bassist their their drummer was a guy who went to uni with me but he went he was a he was a technician so he did like theater tech stuff um but the three of them so this 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 drummer alex kitty and john they came to liverpool from wolverhampton so they knew each other from back when they were younger they formed the band i met alex uh just out on a night out a uni night out and then, yeah, and then he messaged me the next day, or I bumped into him the next day. He's like, you're a bassist, right? Yeah, like metal, right? And I'm just like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and, yeah, he asked me to join the band. So, but did, did they have, were they, did they have anything recorded or anything wrote at this stage? Were they an outfit of yes, any kind? Yes, they had, uh, they had some, like, terrible garage band demos done. <laughs> um for and i think they had like three or four songs written and then we started kitty's 
had had written a few songs but at the time she didn't know how to record them or anything so she would kind of like dictate to them to 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 me and the drummer and we just sort of workshop them in the rehearsal room and mm -hmm. the first two songs that were done that, that way were fight the horde and fat frog mm -hmm. and then as soon as i joined we started like getting some demos down and you know that didn't take very long i still actually have a copy of our oldest time demo because uh, at the same time as you're doing this and you're dapping at various sorts of things, you're probably, uh, presumably, you're, you're looking at the other sound side of it as well. You're yeah. also doing the, riding the desk and stuff and, and stage managing and, and that's everything. You're doing that as well. So it's like two mm -hmm. sort of elements of your career running side by side. You're, you're, you're doing that as well. Yeah, that's what the thing I've always wanted to do was, you know, mainly play. And then when I'm not playing, I'd be in a studio recording, writing, producing other bands, doing sound stuff. Um, so with Novacore, I saw an opportunity to be able to do both of those things. Uh, and then at uni, I kind of focused mainly on the performance side of things. And then in my third year, I started focusing a lot more on my production, where I got to produce Cryocell and Exhumation afterwards, uh, amongst a few other bands. Yeah, so it's it, it's nice to see that, like it's to see someone kind of, uh, filling in all their loves in different ways. Like, okay, well, I'm not playing now, so let's be the guy that does the desk. I'm not doing anything now. Let's, let's record other bands. It's like, this is yeah. why, ladies and gentlemen, I talk fondly about Freddie to other people is that, you know, we can all do what we like to do in music, but Freddie's there. He's, he's doing it 24-7. He's doing it all the time. Every time I speak to him, he's involved in something. Before we came on this, you know, it, it, he's, he's involved in something there. He's constantly got something going on. And, yeah. and and that's how you know someone loves this. You can't do that. We're both tired, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> God, God, yeah. We're both, we're both knackered because we're both we love this. What we do, we love the scene, and we try and support it. You know, and in between um, games of Super Smash Brothers, we 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 try and do the best we we can. Yeah, that's that's my one escape. Just yelling so, at my TV. Before I get before I get into Nova Crow fully yeah. and talk because there's a lot to cover with Nova Crow. I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, when you, you so you came to 2012, you arrived in Liverpool, and now we're 2022. Uh, you have seen a, a fairly big arc and a fairly big uh, increase in the metal scene and the music Absolutely. scene in general. You know, how would you kind of describe that between 2012 now and where we are 22? What's what's changed now? Man, is it a venue thing or what is it? I don't I don't even think it's a it's a venue thing. I mean, we I know we talked about it. Uh, you spoke about it. Was it you? Yeah, when you did the metal conference thing, right. not just that, but also in a Ned's book opening yes. night thing, uh, there was yeah. a lot of focus on the venue side of things, which obviously, I mean, as we have discussed, it does have a, a big impact on um, the scene as a whole, but um we had plenty of venues back then even when I first came here in 2012, we had Zanzibar, we had um, Lomax, we had... Um, all the all the smaller venues that have closed down, you know, Eric's. We we did a metal night at Eric's once. Um, uh, Bicycle Club was around for a while, you know. Sound. We had all these venues, um, but just there was no cohesive metal scene. There weren't that many metal bands in Liverpool. I think at one point there must have literally been like three or four that were actually based in Liverpool. And then around twenty, I want to say around twenty seventeen is when a few bands started popping up. We started seeing bands like um, Atanamir, uh, Daybreak. I was doing some some things with my own solo thing as well, solo project. Uh, I, think, I, I think I actually played with Raised by Wolves around that time 
myself and all these little bands where well, a lot of them came and went uh but there was like this insurgence around yeah around 2017 2018 um forlorn hope all these bands um i think it was just because like these people all these people in the band in these bands were maybe they were a bit too young right maybe so. They didn't quite achieve that financial financial independence to go out and create a yeah, scene, yeah. maybe something like that. And now yeah. that they're all, you know, mid twenties, suddenly it's like, oh, now we, there's so many of us, and we've created a scene again. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's just a a theory that I pulled straight out of my ass. I don't know <laughs> what I don't happened, think, I but think it's, 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 it's it was a, due to that, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was almost like around yeah twenty seven and twenty eighteen was like this rebirth of the of the Liverpool metal scene, you know. I mean, bands like Loath have been around for a while, but I think twenty seventeen was when their first album came out, um, and we we actually played with them in Metal Days. They didn't they didn't even know like that we were going to be playing with them until we bumped yeah. into them like in Slovenia. Just heard Scousers and were like, yes, from Liverpool. <laughs> um, so they were you know God Complex as well. They formed around that time. Yeah. Um, I remember playing in a few other projects with uh, Jay, their old drummer at the time as well. Um, and yeah, that's when the scene started sort of re regrowing again. Yeah. And now we've getting the, it seemed like I 100% agree. I think it was that like everybody had kind of been milling around in various projects and around 2018, 2019, all those projects suddenly started to land. Mm-hmm. Where they had like the like the, the line sort of come together, and that was when they started going, okay, well, we can do this properly and do many gigs and and write albums now and start doing it. Yeah. And it seems that's when it gained traction. Like you know, it was <coughs> nice to see. So we're at the point now where we've got you know we've got some really interesting bands and and mm-hmm. and the scene is is there now, and, and there are you know there are some really fantastic stuff going on, some really quality you know uh, bands out there of real notes and real value to the scene so it's it's nice to see that i mean we saw it all the way through the, the metal to the masses and we've seen all mm-hmm. on the shows that we've been to where you know the god complex show was a perfect example that me and you stood next to each other watching the show going this is fucking spe- sick this was it was a sick wasn't it it was just like it was like a really special event you know that's unreal what yeah like, you know and the, you know the, recently uh, uh, the, they had the tail gunner show and that was a similar mm-hmm vibe and again these are the same with like we're we're very much used to seeing the liverpool scene as like you know the usual bands you know us raised by wolves um you know reaper and then you get the more extreme sides of things like exhumation and then there's the slam scene and that's the sort of scene on its own but then you look at something like the god complex show they started in liverpool yet i mean most i remember telling andy about god complex for the first time in like 2019 and he's like i have no idea who that is but and they were still doing and they were doing things you know when we had that metal conference um at the um, at phase one jack around yeah. phase one and just, we everyone just completely forgot to mention loathe um because they're just they're not you know they didn't really make their name per se in liverpool mm-hmm. like they, mm-hmm. they all went ac- all across the country except liverpool uh to make their a name for themselves so Is when that, when they is that something that you can, can you do that now? Do you have to avoid your hometown almost to, to, to get out? I don't think it's hometown? a matter of avoidance, but it was just, a, 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 it depends. It's more of a focus on your, um, your energy, not your energy. Cause that, that, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, you want to invest your time carefully. So I think maybe these bands knew that there wasn't much happening in Liverpool at sure. the time. So why waste your time and energy 
in a dying scene when you can just you know spread out we kind of yeah. tried doing that with Novacro as well we were all not out of um want but we, we played so many shows in liverpool where fucking nobody came and at, being our hometown we were always really bummed out and so we we toured so much across the uk except in liverpool and it got to a point where people would ask us to play liverpool and we we're like no it's just gonna be a waste of our time to be honest and most of the time we were actually right. Like no one showed up to those shows. It was sad. We didn't want to be in that situation, but there it is. And then whenever we'd go out like to other cities, people, if we tell, told people if we'd be from Liverpool, they'd kind of look at us like, huh, I can't name any other metal bands from Liverpool. You guys must be the only one. So that kind of was demoralizing as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, I can't speak for the guys in Loath and God Complex and whatnot. And, and so I don't know if they went through the similar thing, but that was our experience. So to see the God Complex show, uh, their final show being so fucking like amazing, it was amazing, amazing. sold out. It, yeah. it was so heartwarming to see. It, was it felt to me, and I, I, I know the people there felt the same. It felt to me that that was one of those flags that we go, okay, remember when that happened? That was the start of this. This was another flag to say this was the start of it. It felt like mm-hmm. there, there was a sea change that it was like, okay, this means that there is a scene now and bands will be more inclined to go, actually, we'll put a Liverpool date on our touring. Yeah. Because look, they look when they show up, they show up big time, you know? And, and I think after that, a lot of bands reconsider. I think it's, it's start, I've started to see it certainly with our touring bands now where we're, we're getting that pick maybe over Manchester or yeah. certainly as well as, and that's I mean, really warming to hear that. Like, yeah. Like we got, we got this, we got Napalm Death coming. They came down. We had In Flames, uh, a black label society just off the top yeah. of my head it's like yeah, that's yeah. i wouldn't never have imagined that five years ago i think yeah. it definitely helped that band like loath for example they became huge when in 2020 when their um, when the second album came out and yeah. at that point like every news article you would read about them was liverpool based loath liverpool yeah, yeah. band loath and so that I think that really added a tremendous value to the yeah. local. Well, it's scene. like um, it's like uh, to start any scene and for any scene to truly exist, you need those probably two or three bands to open the door, mm-hmm. and then and then two hundred or three hundred bands run through it as well with them. Yeah. And like loads of good example of that, where everybody in the music industry, ladies and gentlemen, um, everybody's looking for the next band to, 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 that's going to be massive. We're all doing it. We all want to hear a band that no one's heard of before and and be, be amazed and blown away by it. We all want that. And so do record companies because that's what that's what sells records, the latest yeah. and newest thing. So music is cyclical. <clears throat> you know, there was a time when Liverpool was special for, for metal. And mm-hmm. what happens is that once you've kind of have gone through all the normal cities, the Birmingham's, the Manchester's that normally give give us metal, and London that give us metal, the the, the, the net has to be cast elsewhere because that's always been ran dry, that course. So then yeah. you get like Liverpool metal can suddenly sort of come to the top again. And then someone says that, you know, like the loads of the new Deftones and that's it. Then you're off to the races then. Yeah. And what's great is that, that, like you say, Liverpool metal becomes a phrase. So then people come up and go, well, I'll check out this Liverpool metal scene. And if you're lucky, then they see bands that and go, oh, this is a whole new scene that I've discovered. Yeah. And it's been there all along, but they're like, oh, this is a new scene I've discovered. And I think we are, we're definitely starting to see that where people are going, okay, maybe the next next loath is it's in liverpool and we'll, yeah, we, we've exactly. got that from there so let's keep mining let's keep mining yeah. there must be some other bands and so i think we are seeing that and i think what's good is that and i don't want to undersell or oversell this any more than, than, than it, it is is that nova crow feel 
it feels very much like this is your time and mm. this is this apex of what you're doing. It seems to be all coming together for you now. I mean, you've got a body of work anyway. You've got, you know, several bona fide great songs. You know, the, the lineup is 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 set. It's, it just seems perfect from a stage point of view. It all seems there. And, you know, now the, those that don't know you, you won the, the Metal to the Masses and, and are playing Bloodstock off the back of it. This is the, if you were reading this in a story and I said, what happens in the next chapter? You'd be like, well, surely Nova Cross Drug abuse. <laughs> and, and completely pissing up the wall. No, <laughs> surely they go on to greatness. I mean, do you feel that now? Do you feel that nice bit of momentum? With, um, with the you, you know what? You know what? The one thing I felt was missing right now was added pressure. So thanks uh, for that <laughs> wonderful expectation i'm so uh, we're, we're gonna strive to disappoint you now we're just gonna run this band to the ground um god i mean i don't know we've been so focused on releasing this album now we we got a, a, a timeline and plan and because we're entirely self-managed and self uh yeah we, we do everything ourselves because we don't we, we don't have fucking money to pay other people to do this shit and we have zero idea what we're doing when it comes yeah. to like releasing and pr and all that nerd admin shit <laughs> fuck knows so we've been so busy focusing on that we've not really been able to sit down and think oh what if this goes well for us what if you know <laughs> we get like what happens if we're successful yeah exactly <laughs> we never plan for success i do that in my own life i never plan for success which is probably why i'm still stuck in this dingy basement <laughs> but you but know no but it's uh, i mean it, it, i can say because i'm not in the band but i can say that that's how it feels it feels that though there are some nice things all kind of aligning mm -hmm. you know and and it's good because you you're not that band you know it's it, you're not the band that's the kind of like we are driven to be successful. We, we want to do this. This is the plan, how we're going to make a million pounds by the yeah. end of the year. It's not, that's not the way it works for you. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's mainly so for the love. It's mainly it's not so like that because we, we, we don't know what the plan is. You know, if, yeah. if someone came and was like, hey, this is how you guys make a million pounds, and we're like, fuck yeah, we are selling out straight away. <laughs> uh, what, makes but, it what makes it endearing is because you are the masters of your own destiny, it's what you do, the videos that you put out, the, the artwork that you put out, the, the songs you write, everything is, is it is an overcrew to the nth degree. There's no one, there's no yeah. Dali, there's no behind. It's you. And it means that, that it, it, everything is like, it has a, a wash over it that's only you. And that's really endearing. That's something that, that you know, I know that you mean every song on that record. Mm -hmm. I know that when Kitty's talking about that, I know she means every single song on that record, you know, and it means something. And that, that's incredibly powerful that you know I, mean, I the only way i can kind of equate it and it's probably a poor example but you know when when some 41 got signed they got signed off the back of making a video where they were like kind of play their own video that they made playing with toys and stuff right, and yeah. all kind of stupid shit and they got signed off the back of that essentially because it was like look at this this is a real sort of zeitgeist of what's going on at mm -hmm. the moment and kids playing with cameras and shit and doing mad yeah. and doing tricks and uh, on bikes and stuff and then you get like a little bit later after they sign, they they recreate that and, yeah. and try and do that on video, and it's just not quite the same. And mm. and it, it feels a lot like that to me, especially if you like you look at the videos like from the horde, you know it's not fucking, you know it's professionally done. You're doing it with the best things that you've got to hand right there, and you're putting your heart and soul into that. That's massively endearing. That is, Freddie. That's massively. And people, yeah, see that. I mean, that we appreciate that, yeah. 
it's it that's good because like i don't want to sit and be like oh we're not, we don't try we try really hard into what we put so much effort into what we do but because again we just love goofing around and even if we're doing <laughs> something a bit more serious it's like you know there's nothing wrong with doing things professionally having them you know having certain things handled by a profession by a professional yeah. uh that doesn't make th- anything let make things less genuine um but I think ultimately, as long as you have something genuine to say and something real, then it doesn't really matter how you do it. Just do it. I, I think what, what, what it means is that when you do come along and someone goes, well, we'd like to handle your social media for you now. Or we'd like to do this for you. You have such a good understanding of who you are. Yeah. You, you, that doesn't get fucked with because we've, failed. we've seen it. We've seen it when a band comes along. They don't really know what's going on with them. So, so a, a label will come in or a management company will come in and just fucking make them what yeah. they are. You Plus, both Kitty and I are massive control freaks, so we'd be like, "You, you can do it, but we need to oversee everything." <laughs> We're like, you know, we'd be the project managers behind the whole thing. And, and that's the other secret thing. I've talked to Kitty about this before. About you can do this thing, and you see it live. I see it live all the time with you guys, where you can take something and sing something, and it's amusing and funny. You can make fun of yourselves and self-depreciate humor, and then do a song like um, "I Am Not Your Mannequin." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I will produce a producer. Where these have got pretty fucking heavy serious shit going on like they're about serious things and mm-hmm. you can do that in the next like one song's that and the next song something like that that's yeah. the real secrets you know because I mean? everybody can do angst and attack you've mm-hmm. got to there's got to be some balance to it you know to make it interesting yeah not only that it's just like you know we're only we're only pe- human sometimes yeah. we feel shit and a song like the mantra comes out yeah sometimes we we regret a night of having drinking just therefore fat frog Sometimes we just like singing about zombies, hence fight the horde. It all becomes a rich tapestry of like emotions. And I think neglecting that for the sake of like, Burr, we're metal. We cannot sing about flowers and sunshine. It's like, dude, <laughs> if it's a beautiful fucking day, why wouldn't you write about yeah. sunshine? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, exactly. Like if genuine, if the thing that you love is just writing about, you know, gore, great. But don't just do it for the sake of doing it, you know? Mm. Otherwise, it becomes like, a bit like painting by the numbers. And there's, you know, that's yeah. fine every now and then. But, like, if you're going to base an entire career off that, it's like, come on, dude. It's a bit it one-toned. It won't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that you've been sitting. How long have you been sitting on this album? It's finished, right? How long yeah, have you yeah, been sitting on it? Yeah, done. So, I finished the Masters in January, I think. Yeah. Um, we got the artwork we started working on the artwork in I think February is when we started contacting our artist. Uh, and then that got finished in May. And since then we've been on full, like, okay, we have the artwork done. We did, we, we finished two music videos. And again, we had a friend of ours help, help out with that because okay, we, we don't have the time to do everything ourselves as much as we'd like to. Um, and now, well, I mean, I don't know what time this, when, what day this is going to be released. Uh, this will be released sort of, uh, yeah, sort of mid-July, mid to late July. This Mid-July, okay. Yeah. Then pre-orders should be open already, along gotcha. with potentially a new single. We have a rough timeline of having the pre-orders open next week. Uh, so then that'll be the big announcement. Uh, and then the first single should come out uh, about a week or two after that. And then after that, we'll just slowly start dripping things. We aim to have a release for late September. Yeah. But all, that think, all depends on the pre-orders. 
one of the big power moves that I thought I told you guys this at the show is that when you played like um, Metal to the Masters, you played all new material. Yeah. Fuck right, fucking fuck that. Yeah. But... I was so I was so impressed by that. I was like, that's on on number of levels. That's a very cool thing to do. But more than anything, it's such a uh, uh, faith in your own in, in the songs that you've wrote you're like we really believe in these yeah, songs so a, much that, yeah the, the, the issue was twofold uh, on one hand I, I know I'm always pushing to just play new songs and fuck the old ones off um, one, one because I, I think they're awesome and they're great and you know we played the old songs for the past like seven eight years I'm getting sick of them and secondly part of me doesn't believe that anyone actually knows our music or listens to our music so I'm like they're not gonna fucking know we could literally just play anything we want and they'd be like is this after like first EP I don't know so, <laughs> so when you were like you only played new songs and I was like you, have you heard you our listen? previous? You listened to our old <laughs> shit. What? I thought people just liked us because we jumped around like assholes on stage. But I guess there's people that actually like our music. That's fucking bonkers to me. Listen. That's crazy. <laughs> but it was good because as well, it's the, the yeah that that's the, the the road that got us there. But what was cool is that everybody was just like, "This is just the set by Nova Crow. Fantastic! I'll just in, enjoy this." You know, it was nice. Yeah. It was it was cool because it it worked. You know, you know that this album now. Is set is going to be a certain amount of relief and knowing it's going to be well received, right? You know, you can. Yeah. You've heard yeah. this album for a long time now. You've had it in your ears. You're just desperate to get it out into other people's ears, but you've already kind of had a little taste of what people are going to react to. You know, certainly, like you know, you, some of the songs that you're playing at the masses were super well received. People singing mm. it back to you the first time they heard it. That's fucking yeah. Cool. That's how you know you've got a hit. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean. A part of me is like I don't want to get big headed or anything, but I think because a lot of the success of this album come was going to depend on our next move these next few months. Yes, it's not how good the album is. The album can be as good as you know as it can possibly be, but if there's zero, if there's shit promotion done on it, if there's zero like backing done to support it, um, then there's a good chance it just won't be heard by the right people um, or heard at all. Uh, no, by the right people, but I have full confidence that people who would listen to this album are just yeah. gonna be like, "Damn, this is dope." Well, I've listened. I, I've 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 had the pleasure of hearing, hearing the album, and if it was shit, I just would at this point not not mention that. But it's not, Freddie. I told you before, it's it, it's fucking great. You know, it's it, and it's hard because you 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 produce this album and you work really really hard on this album. It's hard to kind of look at all your children and go well i'll pick that child it's you can't do you can't distance yeah. yourself from the music it's, it's that's understandable i can and tell you that there's like four to five songs on there that are going to be regulars in your sets for the rest of eternity you know that, that I mean, they I, just I, will be yeah i since i sincerely hope so and what the good thing is i mean this album's quite big it's got like 13 tracks on it and we actively wanted to make an album that we would enjoy listening to. So I still regularly listen to it. One, because I just love the sound of my own voice. Uh, <laughs> no, I barely do any singing on it. But um, no, it's because it's music I generally like. And I, and, you know, I wanted to produce something that, that an album that I would enjoy listening to. So it's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I will listen to it. And every song is different. And there's going to be something for everybody. Something for the kids. Something <laughs> for the adults. Something for anything in between, you know. I like, uh, yeah. I'm very happy with it, and selfishly as well because I produce the fuck out of it. I'm hoping that people will listen to that album and go like, "Sounds pretty good." Who uh, who produced this? Who did that? Who did that? Yeah. Might do my yeah. band. Yeah. Yeah. 
You think if we ask him nice, nicely and get him cake, he'll he'll do our album? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Depends on the cake. It's it'd be um it'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Bloodstock then. Yeah, so, I guess you know, it would. It's it's close. It's 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 round the corner. It'll be here before we know it. Um that's um you timed well. That can be the, a beautiful cherry on top of the cake, right? Yeah, we were hoping to get the album out just before Bloodstock, but that's not going to happen. Sure. Um, unless we rushed it, which we don't want to do. Yeah. Um, but still, we wanted Bloodstock to be a, a good a good opportunity for us to... Yeah, just a, just a solid opportunity for us to promote this album somehow. And also, mm-hmm. also we, we love playing big festivals. Um, it's always a blast. We get a giant stage for us to prance around in. John's tall as fuck, so he won't feel as confined as he does in somewhere like EBGB's. You know, I don't think I've ever seen John not slightly hunched over because he's by an arch or something. That's because once, it's because yeah. once in uh, it, it was in Eric's actually. He damn near bashed his head on the ceiling, <laughs> and then we played Jacaranda, which was even worse. So he's always been a bit like. Yeah. I'm looking forward then. to seeing him fully erect. Yes, <laughs> yes, he needs to be, needs to stand proud and erect. Stands proud and tall, the, the, the man he is. Yeah. So yeah. Blood, one of the things that's interesting about Bloodstock, and especially when you play the new Blood stage, is the, is the proximity to the other stages. Mm-hmm. Those that haven't been, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to other, from other countries and maybe you haven't been to Bloodstock. You could be watching the main stage and you can see the other stage. It's maybe a two-minute walk to your left down yeah. a slight hill and you're there. Um, and then, you know, you get to see some of the, the, the best, newest bands that are there. And it is, it's a, it's a huge opportunity for Eddie, isn't it? It really is. It can be, you know, you can be like, you know, the list is, is long, but like someone like This Is Turin and Evil Scarecrow and stuff, mm-hmm. that they went from the small stage and they then went to the other stages, the Sophie stage and what have you, they, they graduated to those there. And I yeah. think that's probably, I've talked about this before, why Bloodstock is so important. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important though, as, a, as an artist, as, as a band playing these shows, is that it's perfectly fine and total, totally cool to be excited. And I mean, we're so excited. We can't wait for it. Mm. Um, but I think it's very easy, especially for smaller bands, to get into the mindset of like, Ooh, this is going to be our biggest thing ever. We need to, you know, to hype it up in a way that's unnatural, in a sense. Yeah. You need to kind of just see it as another show. For us, we just see yeah. it as an opportunity to reach more people. We know there's going to be people there in the audience. And so we're like, oh, that's, that's a good opportunity for us to fuck around. But it's not like, you know, yeah. we didn't buy specific costumes uh, yeah, specific yeah. for for Bloodstock. We didn't. We're not catering our set to be like, ah, this. You know, we're not sitting here practicing every day just so we don't make a mistake. It's just like, it's for us. It's just a another another day in the business. Yeah, and we're looking well, forward. Well, it's like you know, Cy Hall declared you the winner off of that set. So yeah. you go, okay. Well, we've done that set. Now we're going to do something else when we play that stage. That's a that's a monumental mistake because you know, Cy Hall might be watching you and go. Well done. This wasn't the oh, fucking yeah. band that declared the winner. What is this? Yeah, exactly. Drum and bass set. You know, it's like what is this acoustic set? And yeah, so, no, yeah. You know, you're right. You did, yeah, yes, it's special and should be treated as such, and it is special. Yeah. But you know, to suddenly change everything and suddenly all come out in mad costumes because it's Bloodstock. Well, hold on. What did you win? Bloodstock to battle for Bloodstock? Yeah. For? You won it doing this. Yes, you might. You know, 
you might you know do something slightly different just to, but, but think about how think about how a, a huge band plays bloodstock they play mm. all the hits they play what you want to see and they'll throw in one or two surprises an interesting backdrop some video yeah cover a guest or but but generally speaking you're getting their touring set with a little bit more yeah that's a, a huge headlining acts you know like it's not like you would see iron maiden headline and then they play to like backing tracks 90 percent of the time like that's not what they usually do live why are yeah. they at here yeah like it's like you why change why change the thing that actually brought you to the dance exactly you to that? Why, why do that the thing that I, that I always advise fans is if, if my advice is worth anything when, when when they go to bloodstock is that the show and playing of the show you fucking should be good that's a given it should be good you should play fucking the best you can be and deliver what you what you what you, you promised like from the live show mm-hmm. but that's only a teeny tiny part of the the whole thing so then you're after that it's doing press and it's getting around and, and introducing yourself to people and talk to people and you know talk to other bands and supporting other bands and stuff like that it's you know, it's all too easy to maybe go and just get fucking pissed in a, in a yeah. tent or sit off. That's that's a massive missed opportunity. The way I see it, yeah, it's it's like with like, like with everything that we talked about. I think it ultimately just boils down to it's not really quantifiable, but authenticity is the is the name of the game really like if you're just gonna go up there and pretend to be something you're not by putting on an extra special show or by uh you know getting shit-faced or whatever because you think that's the thing to do and it's like no no one it, it, it kind of it comes across you know yeah of course it does. Yeah. i get yeah. i get shit-faced uh festivals just but i do that all the time so you know i'm not like it's oh it's because we're playing so i need to do it ah. so people would be yeah. like ah that's just freddie yeah, yeah, you yeah. know um, so then i mean when's the next sort of live shows thanks you obviously be doing uh, the the promotion for the album God, yeah we talk about bloodstock but is the, is the live shows in between then or what's going to happen we're 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 meeting every week and every week yeah. is just us doing admin stuff yeah. Which is yeah. the, the worst part about being a musician, worst part about being in a band, but it has to be done. Um, yeah. We've not really thought much about sh- live shows outside of Bloodstock. We haven't even like been practicing for Bloodstock yet, yeah. <laughs> which is like, oh shit, we got to do that enough. soon. Yeah, it's yeah. next month. Um, yeah. But I, after the album comes out, we need to start looking at booking shows again. We, wanted, we would like to do a big album launch here in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at dates around November or December, but again, it's all a bit up in the air at the moment. Yeah. Um, I need to start making, let's start working on that. Actually, if we want to do that in time, um, normally in the past, what we've done is this is a bit, you know, cheeky of us, but I, I don't know if cheeky is the right word for it, but we basically never booked a show ourselves these past few years. We've all the shows that we played have, have been people approaching us, asking us to play. Yeah. And now I think we need to it's face reality. Shit. Yeah. And agree that with this album coming out, ugh, we need to we need to start booking our own shows. Yeah. Unless you know someone listening to this podcast wants to wants to. Ladies and gentlemen, to, we do know people who listen to this podcast, and we do know there'll be promoters listening out there that are always looking for people to book. And you know, I, I, I've said it before, and I, I say it again. You know, I, I, Nova Crow are easily one of those bands that I recommend. Aside from the fact that I think the music's great, you know, the the band are, are just completely, you know, no one works harder to to, to, to promote a show than, than you guys. You just don't. It's as simple as that. Thank you. Yes, you've, yes. you've joined other people's shows, but you you really, really 
put the work in, you know, and that's, I think it was interesting something you said before there, and it, it does bear out, is that you, you were saying like the admin side of it and it's tough, and it is, and that's the, the reality now of a modern musician. It's interesting, it used to be pre-sort of internet, maybe birth of the internet, the, the barriers, the gatekeeping to being a successful band was um, kind of playing live and mm. getting out on the road and putting the, the miles in. And that's what broke a band or made a band. Yeah. You know, like, so I always talk about Harry Rollins saying that, you know, most bands, if they'd have to have do, done that now, would never have survived. What's happened, I think, is that we've shifted from instead of having to do those crazy tours where you tour everywhere in the back of a van, now the work has shifted to video production and uh, mm. social media presence and, and how you do the, the, the uh, you know the, the timing of stuff when you put it out there and, and, yeah. and promotion it seems to have shifted now to that and that seems to be the gatekeeper to bands being successful like I hear all the time where bands go um, oh, I can't stand the fact that I've got to be on TikTok and Instagram and all that type of stuff I can't stand it it's too much work but one of the things I would say to all of them is it's free. That's yeah. it. All those services are, f- are free outlets. The pain, the pain in the ass for that. Working. Yeah, the pain in the ass isn't that you have to do it. It's that there's no, especially with things like TikTok and social media, there's no guide for it. We we're yeah. trying to, we've been trying to get, you know, banned TikTok the past few months. And the reason we were hesitating so much in pulling the trigger with it is because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. We don't know what works and what doesn't. So it's like, okay, well, we can try and fuck around, but it's like I, this becomes a numbers game that we don't understand. We'll gladly put in the effort in. If someone came up to us and be like, right, you got to do four videos for for two weeks, you know, two two videos a week. Yeah. And you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. time it like this. We'll gladly set aside the time to do it. It's going to be a pain in the ass, but we'll do it. But because there's none of that, it's just like, yeah. um, And annoyingly, like you said, it feels more like a shift from, you know, touring to this side of things but i think it's just like in tandem now you have to do both which is fucking bonkers and we all have full-time jobs because there's no money in any of this so it's like oh god fuck Ah, i get home from work (laughs) and then i gotta deal with this shit like this is me clocking out now like after this podcast and it's 10 and i have to get up tomorrow to teach guitars to a bunch of fucking screaming children Uh, and then i'm playing a wedding on saturday and like fuck and and this time i need to film some stuff for novacrow and then i gotta get some some files done for another like project that i got going on (gasps) it's the wonder my love life is shambles like it used to be there was a time where you could uh, something would happen or a way of doing things would happen someone would become an expert at it and they would be able to learn it pass that expertise on to someone else band management and that's everything now Mm -hmm. Because the medium is moving so quickly, we've not even got enough time for someone to become an expert at it to relay that information to give. But you the yeah, but again, the, and yeah. The next thing. And I think it's kind of easy to blame, you know, on social media and all that stuff. And it's very easy to think, oh, my band's not successful because we're not reaching this audience. Yeah. But again, a lot of it comes down to authenticity. So things like, you know, things on that will go viral on the internet aren't usually like the you know the staged videos or the fake videos it's going to be things that are generally funny or generally sort of engaging which is authenticity um and there's plenty of bands who don't really engage that much with with that side of things and they're still doing perfectly fine because they know their target demographic might not necessarily encompass that sort of realm We're yeah. silly. We love doing stupid shit. So for us, this should be right up our street. And it kind of is. Like we, we do, we goof around on, on social media at loads. Um, but you know, it, like you couldn't be a band like Loathe, for example, 
and put out yeah. silly videos on their Instagram. That'd be a bit a bit weird and out of character. Um, yeah. So if you really knowing, don't want to do it's that it, yeah. knowing yourself, isn't it? It's, it's knowing what you are and what you are as an entity that will determine kind of yeah well what comes out like that like it's it, you to have like instagram stories of like you know being at hard rock hell ibiza that feels completely on brand for, for what you're doing yeah. but if i saw that from low i'd be like what the fuck is this this is totally exactly you know, and it and it's knowing kind of finding that niche and the reason it works for you guys and the reason your the content is great is because you understand that you know there's there's probably a lot of bands out there now they're like do we make silly videos is that what we do or do we say nothing or do we put a, a you know do we do we never show our faces what do we do and they're so kind of like caught in the fear of like they don't know what they are they yeah. just kind of fall into the doing nothing then because they're like yeah oh, well, we don't know what the fuck we're doing and especially when you're first starting out it becomes a bit of trial and error see what works see what doesn't and see what you like doing see what you don't like doing and also don't be afraid you know to stray every now and then so like yeah a lot of our social media content is us just being silly and whatnot but occasionally we'll have a few like you know the more earnest band picture um, yeah. or whatever and even with something like this album like there's a lot of fun songs and there's some songs that are a bit more serious so there might be like you know we, we might do a more earnest post of us like just backstage just kind of like not nothing particularly entertaining like hilarious about it just a genuine moment that yeah. wouldn't necessarily be out of character for us right now especially with this new album coming out um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're all just people. If you're in a band, I assume you're made up of people and we evolve and we change. So while you output, you know, you don't think you're going to fall. You're going to put yourself into a bubble of like, oh, we put out three silly videos. And now people think we're a joke band. I don't think that's necessarily the case. You can kind of dictate yeah. where um, you go with that's this. That, that's the whole fear, isn't it? Of like, you know, we, we, especially young band think that every single move they do is is important yeah and, and it really it isn't yeah it's sometimes you know there's some bad people think we're, we're you know if we do this that means we're this band now mm. it's like I, I hate to break it to you if you're one of those bands no one gives a fuck no one gives um, a shit yeah, no one cares unless you're absolutely a multi-massive huge artist and even then some people don't give a fuck uh, yeah exactly you know, next week they'll be onto something else They'll be yeah. onto something else, and that's it. it. You always, like you say, always strive for authenticity and being genuine, and you pretty much will never go wrong. It's like you know, it's the old adage, you know, you, you shouldn't lie; you should only tell the truth. That way, you'll never get caught out. If you're only, yeah. only ever tell the truth, you're never, someone's never going to say, "Didn't you say this?" And you'll be like, "Oh, I can't remember because I was lying at the time." Yeah, you know, you, you know yourself. So it's 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 that. It's like just tr strive to be genuine. The only person you have to answer to is yourself. And that will come across, you know, the bands that yeah. I like, I know that what they're producing is, is a pretty good facsimile of what of who they are. The minute I smell that it's not, or it's contrived in some way, that's probably when I, they, they, they lose me, you know, yeah. even the bigger bands, when you're like, well, clearly you're doing that because of this. Mm -hmm. I'm out. That's, that's not yeah. for me, you know? And I think that's a, it, it's a great way to kind of wrap up us talking, because I think that's probably yourself and Nova Cruz strongest, assets you know and i think that's why ladies and gentlemen if you are i'll put links on the show if you if you do what i suggest you do check out nova crew and the new album that that will come across you don't you won't need me or freddie to tell you you'll hear that in the music and see that in, in what's produced and um, if you're if you're gonna check out check us out just remember that every single time we tear our velcro pants off every propeller hat worn on stage every kazoo sung or played and fiddled 
for to your straight into your ear holes is coming from a place of genuineness and love and pure sexual prowess, which encompasses the whole band. Beautiful, beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, we will most certainly get him on again. Well, I want to do a track by track maybe with the album. And I yeah, that'd be want sick. To talk about after Bloodstock and, and, and the next sorts of things. What a pleasure to have my friend, Freddie, Federico. Thank you so much. Show. Thank you. Thank Mark you for coming for on. Having I really me. appreciate it. Anytime. Happy to be here. Freddie there talking about all things Novacrow and beyond, you know, some of the, the projects he's involved in and the things he wants to do. I hope you got a lot from that. I, I always enjoy talking to Freddie. It's, uh, like I keep saying, it's one of those people that is out there getting it done and really supporting the scene at a grassroots level. Uh, fantastic. And, and Novacrow's album is available to pre-order now. We've also had one of the first singles from that, Hollow Armor, which is a slight departure from sort of Novacrow's sound, a tiny bit in a, in a slightly different step. And I'm hoping for some real surprises with this album. Well, I've 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 heard tracks with this album. I know it's going to be surprising in a really great way. Really great stuff on there, and I would suggest strongly advise pre-ordering that album. That's going to be special. It feels like yeah, they're really on the next, like I say, the next cusp, the next wave of something really interesting. I'm ready there. You know, I hope you got a lot from that about if you're a band and how you approach social media and how you approach just the way you like your at the band and how you promote yourselves. I think there's a lot to be gained from that. And once again, I'd like to thank everybody that listens to the show. The last show where we talked to Hemorrhage about uh, thrash and taco trucks was so well received. I've had so many mad messages from all over the world now. It's it, it, it's one of the beautiful th- It crosses borders and everything. It's it's fantastic. And so I'll probably do something with uh, Hemorrhage again if we, if we can. They're out on tour, touring in that truck as we speak and there's just it's it's a wonderful wonderful story so go back and check that episode out as well and check out the episode with kitty and the episode with Stuart as well just to get some context to what we were talking about with freddie there but i really enjoy these messages it really kind of heartens me and makes me want to uh look into other things and, and check out other musicians that i never even considered before which is really the real secret of what i want to do with this podcast and it's just nice to know that people are telling me that Especially uh, at some of the shows that have been at recently, people have told me that I'm 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 doing the right thing and I'm and I'm ch- shouting and flying the flag for metal. So I'm very very grateful that that comes across because that's always what I've wanted to do. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you at the show. Mm-hmm.